Please remain standing in honor of God's Word. We're continuing on through the book of Proverbs, and this morning we'll look at Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 18. Proverbs 9, 1 through 18, this is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative Word. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places of the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat my bread and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes the seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are all in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, as your word goes forth this morning, I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds so that we can understand your word. We ask that the Spirit will also inflame our affections so that we will burn with a greater passion for Jesus Christ and his glory. We also ask that the Spirit will move our wills so that we have an earnest desire and the strength to apply these truths to our lives. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the movie The Wizard of Oz. In one scene, Dorothy and her little dog, Toto, are following the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. And then Dorothy comes to a fork in the road and she says, now which way do we go? The scarecrow says, pardon me, but this way is really nice. Then he says, pointing in the other direction, it's pleasant that way, too. And then he crosses his hands and say, but some people go both ways. Now, perhaps some people go both ways, but not at the same time. When you come to a fork in the road, you must decide which direction you are going to go. At this juncture in the book of Proverbs, Believe it or not, we have finally come to the end of the prologue. Uh, the next section, from chapters 10 to the end of the book, chapter 
31 are the Proverbs proper, where we have individual Proverbs in one verse or a couple of verses. Uh, one example is Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Kings 4:32 says that Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. Uh, we have hundreds of those Proverbs here in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are ancient sound bites of wisdom, and they cover a host of topics, including such things as family, work, friendship, money, sex, anger, debt, and gossip, etc. Now, for the most part, chapters 10 through 31 don't lend themselves to verse-by-verse -verse exposition, so beginning next week, the messages will be more topical. But returning to chapter 9, Solomon has led his son deliberately to a fork in the road. And now he faces two alternatives. Before him are placed two competing dinner invitations. And he must decide, am I going to dine at the house of Lady Wisdom or am I going to dine at the house of Lady Folly? He must decide. He cannot choose both invitations. And in order for his son to choose wisely, Solomon is going to describe three things in our passage. And if you're taking notes, these are the three things that he's going to describe. The first is Lady Wisdom's dinner invitation. We'll see that in verses 1 through 6. Second thing he is going to describe is Lady Folly's dinner invitation. And we will see that in verses 13 through 18. And then sandwiched in between these two invitations is the need to be teachable. And we find that in verses 7 to 12. In order to make a wise decision... Concerning these competing dinner invitations, a person must be teachable. But let's begin with the first point. Lady Wisdom's dinner invitation. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. <laughs> I like that. We're told that the Proverbs 31 woman has strong arms. Obviously, Lady Wisdom, likewise, has strong arms. Notice that she actually builds her own house. That's pretty impressive. Even more impressive is the fact that she has hewn out seven pillars. Presumably, these are pillars from large pieces of lumber, which means that this lady lumberjack is swinging her axe preparing these pillars to support her house. And the number seven indicates perfection, but it also indicates that this was an exceptionally large house. In our terms, we would say this was a mansion. Ordinary homes did not have pillars. Moving on to verse two. She has slaughtered her beasts, she has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. So to prepare this feast, she has slaughtered 
her beast, plural, which seems to indicate different types of meat, or at the very least, uh, one animal isn't sufficient for this banquet. She can't just go out and back and kill one cow. That's not enough. She has to kill numerous animals. And we're also told that she mixes her wine. She probably mixes her wine with something like honey and or spices to make it more spicy. Song of Songs 8.2 speaks of spiced wine. Uh, this wine was not mixed with water. Isaiah 1.22 says that water mixed with, or excuse me, wine mixed with water is a sign of judgment. This is not a sign of judgment here. This is a sign of celebration and blessing. And then in verses 3 and 4, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places of the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she sees, and we'll stop right there for now. But notice two observations. Uh, her ladies are calling from the highest place in town, and that's intentional so that they can look down on the other people as they give this invitation. And then notice what they are saying. To the simple who are passing by, the invitation is, turn in here. Come into this house in order to dine. And you'll notice a little later when we get to the invitation by Lady Folly in verses 15 and 16 that the exact same thing is said. She, too, is on the high places in the town calling out to the simple, turn in here. <laughs> so you have Lady Wisdom saying to everybody pass by, turn in here. And you have Lady Folly at the highest point in town saying to everybody who's passing by, turn in here. And all the simple men are wondering, which way should I go? And they have a decision to make. And then in verse 5, this is what she says. Come, eat my bread, and drink the wine I have mixed. Come, enjoy the feast that I have prepared for you. The commentator Bruce Woltke says, in traditional societies, part of the price of power and nobility is the duty to dispense lavish and frequent hospitality on a scale befitting their rank. And this is one lavish banquet that we are observing here and that we are invited to attend. One last question. What is Lady wisdom offering when we enter into her house at this banquet and we're told in verse 6 leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of understanding lady wisdom is offering nothing less than life in all its fullness she is offering life eternal. She is offering wisdom, insight, understanding. The indication would be whatever else you have planned for that evening, cancel it. Make sure 
you accept this invitation. This is the invitation of a lifetime. Only a fool would not accept this invitation because they have better things to do. So that's Lady Wisdom's dinner invitation. Let's look at the second point. Lady Folly's dinner invitation. Verse 13. Lady Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. This woman is seductive and she is stupid. But we should not underestimate her. Many have been seduced. Let me remind you of what we read back in Proverbs 7:26. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Not just some have been laid low, not just a few, many have been laid low. And then 14, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling out to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Like I said earlier, Lady Wisdom is calling out, turn in here. Now we see Lady Folly calling out, turn in here. So which invitation are we going to accept? We need to decide. This woman is seductive. She knows nothing. Let that hit you. She knows nothing. Why would anybody give her the time of day? Why would anybody even be tempted by entering into her house? But it happens. On one occasion, Jesus described the Pharisees as blind guides. And he says, if you follow them, it's like the blind leading the blind. If you follow the blind, both of you will end up in a pit. This wisdom who knows nothing is leading men who know even less. And if they follow her, they too will end up in a ditch along with this woman. But again, don't, don't underestimate her. Now, what is, what is Lady Folly serving for dinner? What's on her menu? Verse 17. Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. That's, that's kind of interesting. Stolen water. This woman is so lazy. She didn't even take the time to go to the well and get her own water. Instead, she went over to her, her neighbor's house and stole his water. Now, here's what you need to understand what's going on here. This is a sexual metaphor for adultery. We saw the same thing back in chapter 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. And then if you would read on, you would see in the context that we are called to enjoy our own spouses. That's the metaphor that we have taking place here. And then also notice that instead of mixed wine 
she's serving water. And instead of choice cuts of meat, what is she serving? Bread eaten in secret. Enjoy what I'm serving in secret. Nobody else will know what's going on. Consider the contrast. Choice cuts of meat, mixed wine, and then bread and water, prison food. Bread and water. Help you understand this. Imagine you receive a dinner invitation, and you go over to someone's house for dinner, and you sit down at the table. They say, have a seat, and you're great. And just out of curiosity, you say, what are we having for dinner? And your host says, bread and water. And you're thinking, oh, boy, <laughs> bread and water. <laughs> I, can, I can hardly wait to dig in. That's, that's my favorite. I was, I was hoping you were serving bread and water. That's, that's what this woman is serving. Bread and water. But notice what she thinks. But this bread, eaten in secret, is pleasant. You know what? It is pleasant. It is enjoyable for the moment. But the pleasure quickly fades. And in the wake of this pleasure comes heartache and regret. We need to choose wisely. Moses chose wisely. We're told in Hebrews 11, beginning of verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of all the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his reward. Fleeting pleasure. And for him it was all the treasures of Egypt. Imagine the choice he had. All the treasures of Egypt on one side. The reproach of Jesus Christ on the other side. And when he came to this fork in the road he said, that's easy. I'll take the reproach of Christ. Because he was looking ahead to his heavenly, his eternal reward. Fleeting pleasures are never worth it in the end. Now, if a man responds to this invitation by Lady Folly, what is waiting for him? Verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Dead is literally rephaim in the Hebrew, which refers to the enemies of God who incurred the judgment of God and then shields the place of the grave. Consider the contrast. While Lady Wisdom offers life and insight, Lady Folly offers death and shield. So there are your options. Which invitation are you going to accept? And I know what you're thinking right now. Come on, pastor, is that a real question? Obviously, I'm going to choose the invitation by Lady Wisdom. Obviously, then I have to return to Proverbs 726. Then why do many, 
many not choose the invitation of Lady Wisdom, but that of Lady Folly? That's the question. And do you know what the answer is? There's a very specific answer. It's because they are not teachable. They are stiff-necked, if I can be blunt, and they are not open to being corrected. And that brings us to the third point, the need for correction. Here's what you need to realize. When you come to a fork in the road and you have two options before you, this is what God is going to do. He is not going to send you a scarecrow to give you direction. He is going to send you a sage. He is going to send you a wise parent or sibling or spouse or teacher or coach or friend who will try to point the way to the direction you should go. That's what God is going to do. And at that very moment, when you're standing at the fork of the road, and you have a decision, and God brings that sage into your path, how you will respond will be the true answer to the question as to whether or not you are a wise person. Look at verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have had this experience. You've tried to give someone you cared about godly counsel, and they didn't want to have any of it. They didn't want to hear you. And maybe... You didn't receive physical injury, but maybe it was emotional or just coldness. Here's what I also know. From one time to another, you have been the person who wouldn't accept it. And when I say you have been the person who didn't accept it, I also have fingers pointing back at me. There have been times when people tried to counsel me and I didn't accept it. And at that moment, we just need to be honest with ourselves and say, I, I played the fool. We need to be teachable. Verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Isn't that wonderful? What's the difference between the fool and the wise man? The wise man loves you. Think of the humility that it takes. The humble, teachable spirit it takes to say to somebody who confronts you, you're right. You're right. Thank you for pointing that out. And I know what some of you are thinking. But they didn't do it in the right spirit. They over-exaggerated the point. We could get into all the caveats. I'm not going to. You know what they are. The point is, if there is even a kernel of truth in what they are saying, are you able to be humble and teachable and bring that before God and say, God, what would you have me learn from this? You have brought this person to my life in your sovereign good pleasure for me. What would you like me to learn from this? That right there is the test of whether or not you and I I'm a wise person or not. Psalm 141, verse 5. 
Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil from my head. Let my head not refuse it. That's a wonderful response. And verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. This, this person grows in wisdom and knowledge and understanding because they're open to being corrected. So they just get wiser and wiser and more and more insightful. Isn't that great? Don't we all want to grow in wisdom and understanding? I mean, what's the alternative? We don't want to become dumber and dumber. So again, God in his sovereign kindness to us, he, he brings a person alongside us to point out our blind spots. Do any of you have blind spots? Anybody have blind spots? Do you know what your blind spot is? Anybody know what your blind spot is? You don't know what your blind spot is. <laughs> That's why it's called a blind spot. <laughs> you and I all have areas in our lives that we don't know about. God knows about it. We have many blind spots. Thankfully, he doesn't point them out all at once. Oh, Wayne, you want to know about your blind spots? Here, I got a notebook full. <laughs> but in his time, in his way, he points them out so that we can, so that we can grow, and we, we, should, we should accept that. We want to accept those. So if you want to, if you want to grow in, in wisdom, you, you need to accept what people what people say to you. You also need, and this is crucial, we've, we've seen this before, verse 10, see if this sounds familiar. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Without the fear of the Lord, you will not have wisdom. You can have earthly wisdom, but you can't have heavenly wisdom. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. So if we're, we're going to be wise, if I can summarize what wisdom is from Proverbs that we've talked about thus far in the first nine chapters, I would summarize it this way. Wisdom requires, one, knowing God's proverbs and principles and laws and decrees. Number two, being a righteous man or woman of character, which includes being humble and teachable. And number three, walking daily in the fear of the Lord because you worship and serve an awesome God. That's what wisdom requires. Knowing God's principles, being a person of character, and walking in the fear of the Lord. And if that is true of you, you will be blessed in incredible ways. And once again, as we've seen this all throughout the book of Proverbs, we have more promises of blessings. Verse 11, For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. And we can talk about that, and we've seen many other blessings. Verse 12, If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. That, 
that doesn't mean if you're wise, you're the only person that benefits from your wisdom. You're not the only person. Those around you will also benefit. And it doesn't mean if you're a scoffer, you don't affect anybody but yourself. What it means is you will bear the consequences by yourself. Bruce Waltke gives this helpful insight into this word bear. He says, note that this word bear could be amplified to clarify that it means bear the guilt of your scoffing. In other words, you alone will bear the responsibility and the punishment for your behavior. And I really do think that this is a great way to end the prologue. Because as we move ahead in the book of Proverbs, as I said earlier, we're going to cover a vast array of topics such as marriage, work, family, money, etc. And how we respond to the reproof and the correction that God has for us in those Proverbs is going to determine whether or not we're fools, whether or not we are actually accepting the invitation of Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly. It doesn't matter which one we say we're accepting. Our behavior will show which one we are really accepting. Now, let me, let me give you a picture of what being willing to be corrected looks like. There's, there's many examples in the Bible, but I like Acts 2. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. The disciples have been waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon them with power. It has come upon them with power. They're, they're speaking in other languages. All the people can hear what they're saying. And Peter preaches a message about the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then he turns his evangelistic guns on those who called for the crucifixion of their Messiah. And he says in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you all crucified. Imagine that. Jesus whom you crucified. Your Messiah, you know what God has done? Raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand, where he sits right now, ruling and reigning over the nations. And we're told that at that moment when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we're told, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They were wrong. And calling out to Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. Peter, in the power of the Spirit, corrects them. And they responded to the correction. They repented. And about 3,000 souls were added to the church and are in heaven right now enjoying fellowship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
That means that when Peter preached his sermon, there were thousands present. You know what we're not told? How many rejected the message? How many heard that message by Peter, but instead of res responding positively and repenting, instead they were like the crowd that Stephen spoke to later in the book of Acts where they stiffened their hearts. And Stephen's like, you stiff-necked people, always resisting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was speaking to them as well, calling upon them to repent of their sin, to put their faith in Christ, and they wouldn't do it. They accepted the wrong invitation. This is just one way in which the message comes to us. So I pray for all of you. I pray for myself that when we are corrected, whoever may be correcting us, it might be someone we look up to. It might be a little child. It might be our enemy. I pray that you and I have such a teachable spirit before God that we accept them as a prophet from God even if the person is a prophet in rough clothing, that we will accept that message and we will have a teachable spirit and that you and I will all grow in wisdom and understanding so that we can experience life and all its fullness and the blessings that God has prepared for us. Let's close in prayer. Father, again, how thankful we are for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path we would be lost without it without your word we couldn't even see the fork in the road but we thank you for your guidance the guidance that comes from your word the guidance that comes through pastors teachers friends family members father i do indeed pray for each of us that you will give us hearts that long to walk in obedience hearts that are humble and open to correction so that we are teachable. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.